Okay, we're about to read this psalm together, Psalm 67. And as we do that, I want you to think about something. And the very first words there say, To the choir master, with string instruments, a psalm, a song. So here we have this psalm written to and for a choir master. So the picture is supposed to be in your mind. Like in Nehemiah chapter 9, when that group of people came together and exploded in praise to God, you read Psalm 67, you got it delivered over to this choir master, this music director. And he's leading out these people, this group of people, worshipers of God. And this is a song that they sing. This is a song that would go exploding from a group of people, like a little glimpse into heaven, when we stand before the throne and sing to Him. And like this little glimpse into heaven, this is what we're about to read, singing praises to our God. Praises to our God. So read it with me. Psalm 67. And then we'll pray. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a song, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. So let's take a second to pray. Father, thank You that we can open Your Word right now. And I pray, God, that You help us, Lord, with this song. Help us to see Your heart in it. Help us to see what You'd have us to be like and how You'd have us to worship. Give us a vision, God, for Your glory among the nations. God, set us to work and labor for Your namesake. And I pray that all these things, God, would be stirred up out of this psalm as we read it, as we look at it now. Lord, You told us that whatever we do, Lord, and whatever we speak, that we would, we would do those things in the ability that You supply. So God, I pray for the ability now. Give me the ability, God, to preach Your Word faithfully. And I pray, God, for everyone here, listen, Lord, every person put before You, that You would help them to see in this, in this passage of Scripture Your great glory. And speak to us today, Lord. Speak to us through Your Word. And I pray, God, You would do that all across this room, that You would speak to us through Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for Your help. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Alright, main thrust of this uh, psalm. Main push here in this psalm. I'm going I'm I'm to read it to you. There's a little phrase right there at the top of your study guide. This is it. A people with a passion for God to be glorified among all peoples through themselves with a confidence that He will do it. Okay? And that can really be broken down into four parts and a little bit... In just a moment, we're going to walk through it in four parts in that little phrase right there. So the four parts are this. A people with a passion for God to be glorified. Our God is worthy of praise. And those who, seem, those who sing Psalm 67 are a people with a passion for God to be glorified, magnified, exalted. 
Second part is this. A people with a passion for God to be glorified. Where? Among all the nations. Among all peoples. So we're looking out and a passage, not this, this people, but all the people groups of the earth, that our God would be a remnant that worships Him from every nation, tribe, and tongue on earth. Number three is this. A people with a passion for God to be glorified among all peoples through themselves. They say, God, we want to be used for this. We want to be used for this through themselves, through us, God. Bring praise to Your name among all nations. And last part is this. A people with a passion for God to be glorified among all peoples through themselves with confidence that God will do it. Confidence that God will get His praise among the nations. Confidence that God will use us to spread His glory among all peoples. So this is where we're going to be going. Before we go there, quick little. Uh, let me give you a few little... Uh, Tidbits here about this psalm. Just some things about the structure. Sometimes this can be helpful, okay? There's uh, seven stanzas in this psalm, okay? And they correlate with the verses. So verse 1 is a stanza. Verse 2 is a stanza. Verse 3 is a stanza. Seven stanzas in this psalm. You have, they're all two-line stanzas, okay? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. They're all two-line stanzas except one. The one right in the middle in verse 4. It's like the peak of the mountain in verse 4. And it's the three line stanzas. So what you have is three two line stanzas. It's verse 1, 2, 3. At the very end you have three two line stanzas. And then right in the middle in verse 4 you have this three line stanza. So what happens, it's like this, it's like this mountain that peaks at verse 4. This is like the pinnacle at verse 4. It's what we're doing. And, th- and both sides of verse 4 mirror each other. And here's what I mean. If you read verse 1 and 2, you're, you get this plea. May God bless us. May God be gracious to us and make His face shine that your way might be, might be known in the earth. And then that's mirrored with the last, that's the first two verses, and that mirrors the last two verses where it actually says, Our God will bless us and His name will be praised to the ends of the earth. So they mirror each other. And you bring it in a level and you've got verse 3 and verse 5. And they mirror each other. They say the exact same thing. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And then right in the middle you have verse 4, the peak of the pyramid. And this is going to show us the main thrust of Psalm 67 at its deepest place. And it's found right there in verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. So let's talk quickly about the significance of this psalm. This psalm is very important. And I want to give you a couple reasons why this psalm is so important. Reason number one is this. This psalm expresses the heart behind the major theme of the entire Bible. Okay? If you say, what are those themes that run from Genesis to Revelation? The whole, just the whole Scriptures. What are themes that run through there? And I'm telling you, this psalm shows the heart behind the major theme that runs through the whole Bible. From the very beginning, you got Genesis chapter 1, right? And you think about what Genesis chapter 1 says. I'm creating a people. Verse 27 and 28. In my image. He created them in the image of God. And then He said to them, and He blessed them, and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God wants to fill the earth with His image, so He blesses these people. And our psalm today says, bless us, O God, that Your name might be known in all the earth. It's rooted right into Genesis chapter 1. 
And if you look at the whole theme of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible altogether, after this in Genesis 1, the creation of man, you've got the fall of man in chapter 3, right? Where man turns against God, rebels against God, and falls into sin. And immediately God says, I'm going to send one. There's one coming that's going to crush Satan's head. So as soon as sin enters into the world in Genesis 3.15, we've got, we've got knowledge that there's coming one that's going to crush Satan's head. You get into chapter 12 and you get the very beginnings of the people of Israel and Abraham. And God, the first thing, Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, God promises Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. Why? Why? Because you're going to be a blessing to all nations in Genesis 12, 3. And this is the theme all the way through Genesis. This is the main theme of Genesis, that there's coming one that's going to bless all nations. He says it again to Abraham in 22, 18. He says it to his son, Isaac, in Genesis 26, 4. He says it to his son, Jacob, in Genesis 28, 14. And this is the main theme of Genesis. There's coming one. He's going to bless his people. And there's coming one that's going to bless all nations. And it's as if the psalmist writing this psalm, it's like he's meditating. He's just meditating on what God has promised to do. He's meditating on the main theme of Genesis. And what does he walk away with? Oh God, let, let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Bless us, oh God, that your name might be known in all the earth. Do what you said in the book of Genesis. This is the major theme. This is rooted in Genesis. The major theme of the whole Bible from the, the first prophet Isaiah to the last prophet Malachi. Listen to Isaiah 66, verse 18. I will gather all nations in tongues. They shall come and see my glory. I will send to the nations, to the coastlands afar off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. In Isaiah, what about the last prophet Malachi? Listen to Malachi 1.11. From the rising of the sun to the, even to its going down. That's one side of the earth to the other. From the rising of the sun even to its going down. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. My name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. I thought going to the nations was just a New Testament thing. And yet right here we see it's rooted in Genesis. It's rooted in the whole Bible. First prophet to the last prophet. Genesis rooted there. I'm going to send one that's going to bless all nations. And it runs all the way through to Revelation. In Revelation 5.9, we see it fulfilled. As you have this group of people standing before the throne of God. And they say, you have redeemed us from every nation, tribe, and tongue by your blood. This psalm is rooted in this major theme that runs into the entire Bible. And if you love this Bible theme, God's glory through Christ Jesus among the nations, if you love that, guess what your song is? Psalm 67. This is how you express it in Psalm 67. Reason number two, this is so important. The heart of this psalm, if you grab on to the heart What's, what's right there? What, what's going on? What are you feeling there? What do you think? What's in the heart of this psalm? If you grab onto the heart of this psalm, it lays the foundation for the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Go make disciples of all the nations on this earth. And Psalm 67 lays the foundation. I cannot express to you how important the Great Commission is. 
There's a reason people call it the Great Commission. That wasn't made up flippantly. Okay? So here you have this Great Commission. It's very important. And then you have this thing that, that undergirds it. The foundation in Psalm 67. I cannot express to you how important these things are. Okay? So the foundation of this command. If, if you have... The desires of Psalm 67. You just read Psalm 67 and you say, what does the psalmist desire? And if you have the desires of Psalm 67 and you have the goals of Psalm 67, you will walk in obedience to the Great Commission to make disciples of all the nations. Let me say it like this. If your heart says, if you're in this room and your heart says, Bless me, O God, that Your name might be known in all the earth. Let the, let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. If that's in your heart, then you'll go after the Great Commission. Obedience, Great Commission obedience with zeal. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. So imagine a true Great Commission church. A true Great Commission church. Undistracted consumed by this mission to make disciples of all, all nations. Imagine a true Great Commission church. And what song is going to be flowing out of her heart? Psalm 67. This is the song we sing as we march into Great Commission warfare. This is the song being blurted out of our mouths as we make disciples of all the nations. And I pray that we would be that. That we would be a Great Commission church with our heart song as Psalm 67 that we're about to walk, walk into. So this is a very, very significant psalm. I hope I have convinced you of that. Now what we're going to do, we're going to dig into this psalm by unpacking that phrase I just mentioned to you a minute ago This in four parts. Okay, We're going to unpack that. So let me read it to you again. This psalm. A people with a passion for God to be glorified among all peoples through themselves, through us, O oh God, and a confidence that God will do it. So let's start with the first phrase. A people with a passion for God to be glorified. Before we even get to Psalm 67, go with me here. Do you know that the ultimate end of all things is the glory of God? Do you know that the ultimate end of all things is the glory of God? God created the earth and the heavens for His glory. Psalm 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of God. God created people like you and me for His glory. Isaiah 43.7 My people I created for My name, for My glory. They shall declare My praise. God chose Israel, which, which all the Old Testament, centering around this people Israel. And God chose Israel for what? For His glory. Listen to Isaiah 49.3. You are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. God parted the Red Sea for His glory. Exodus 14.4. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Christ came to the earth and He died on the cross for the glory of God, for God's glory. Listen to John 12, 27. Jesus said, For this purpose I've come to this hour. This hour. Father, glorify Your name. For all who turn to Christ, everybody who turns to Christ, you receive the forgiveness of your sins. Why? Why? Why do you see the forgiveness of your sins? Is it just for you? Is it just for us? 
Why do you receive the forgiveness of your sins? It's for His glory. Listen to Isaiah 43.25. I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. A.K.A. for my glory, for my praise. Jesus is going to come again one day. You know that? Why? Why is it just us? Is it zero in just on us? Why is He coming again one day? 2 Thessalonians 1.9 When He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints. To be glorified, to be exalted. Romans 11.36 sums it all up for us. Romans 11.36 says, From Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. This is all about God. This is all about the glory of God. So this psalm expresses, and may we be a people passionate about the glory of God. Let me give you another way to say that. A people that are passionate that God will be glorified, that God would be exalted, that God would be worshipped, that God would be magnified, that God would be praised. This is, these are all the ways to say the same thing. This is what we're going after. Okay, so, so here's what you do. You know... I'm just giving you an overview of the Bible here that the, that the ultimate aim of all things is the glory of God. And when you break into Psalm 67, I want you to see this. I want you to see the psalmist's heart lining up with that truth. Just lining up with that truth. Psalm 67 verse 1 and 2. Look. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Selah. And at that Selah you stop. And you think, what did He just ask for? God be gracious to us and bless us and make His, make His face to shine upon us. Why? Why? Why does, why does the psalmist want God to bless him? Why? Is it just so that he can enjoy His blessing? Is that it? Is it just for him? Why is he saying, God bless us? Oh God, bless us. Why is he saying this? And I say he's saying it. He's saying, God, bless us in such a way that you are glorified to the max. Look at verse 2. That your way might be known on earth. And you're saving power among all nations. The ultimate reason that God blesses us is not just so that we may be blessed. The ultimate reason God blesses us is for His glory. It is a common thing in this culture to separate the blessings from God from the purpose of God of getting glory for Himself among all nations. It's a very popular thing to do that in our culture. But I want you to think about that. Why does God, if He blesses you in any way, why is it ultimately about you and about your welfare? Is that the main reason that He blesses you? And I would say that the ultimate reason God blesses you, verse 1, God bless us, why? That your name might be known for your glory, for your praise, for your namesake, for your exaltation. Oftentimes in this, this culture, think about it, we want the blessings of God, but very uninterested in the purpose of God for those blessings. We want the blessings of God, but very uninterested, or, we're, or we miss the purpose of God in those blessings. Many people have called this the ultimate disconnect. David Platt preached a, a whole sermon on Psalm 67. He called it the ultimate disconnect. Where you disconnect verse 1 from verse 2. Where you disconnect God Bless us. What's it for? From That you might be known. That you might be exalted. Now how sinful is that? How sinful for us to disconnect the blessings of God from the purpose of God of lifting up His name and His glory. How sinful for us to disconnect verse 1 from verse 2. 
How sinful to greatly desire the blessings of God, but have very small desires when it comes to the purpose of God and His glory in all the earth. When we think and when we live in such a way that the blessings of God, they land on us and they end on us, and it's we, God bless us for us, Bless us so that it just ends right here. When we do that, we put ourselves on the throne and we say we are God. It's ultimately about us. God loves us and it's just all about me and you. But when we think and feel like this song and we say, God bless us, that you might be known, that you might be glorified, then we lift Him up. We lift Him up and this is the purpose for which we're created. He gets the glory. So a people who sing Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2, from their heart are a people who long for God to be glorified. They are people who have a passion for God to be glorified. Also, we see this in this song. Think about missions. The ultimate aim of missions is what? ultimate aim of missions and I would say to you it's for His glory and you see that in this song. The ultimate goal of missions, missions, preaching the gospel making disciples, sending out to the unreached. What's the ultimate aim? What's the ultimate goal here? And it's that God be glorified. Is the ultimate aim just that people don't go to hell? Is that the ultimate aim? And I would say no. That's, that's, a, that's a legit motive, right? But it's not the ultimate. The ultimate aim is that our God would be praised in all the earth. Listen, listen to the connection between verse 2 and verse 3. The end of verse 2 says, Your saving power among all nations. Now, doesn't that sound like missions? Your saving power, your salvation among all the nations. Doesn't that sound like missions to you? But why? Why does, why does the psalmist desire that God's saving power be made known among all nations? Is it only so that people would be saved from destruction? No, it's so that God would be magnified. Look at verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That's His glory. Verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Why make your saving power known among all the peoples? Why? So that those peoples worship your holy name. This is about the glory of God. The ultimate reason we set out on mission to the lost is so that God be magnified. That God be praised. John Piper has a famous quote. Most of you know it. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. So don't you see this? When you read this psalm, don't you see that this psalmist is obsessed with the glory of God? He's obsessed with glorifying God. Above everything else, it seems that His desire is that my God be magnified in all the earth. He doesn't want blessing for Himself. He wants blessing for the glory of His God. He doesn't want mission just for mission's sake. He wants mission so that His God might be praised. What about you? Where are you with this? Are you obsessed with the glory of God? Are you jealous that your God be praised and worshipped in all the earth? Is His glory and His praise the ultimate aim of your life? Are you obsessed with glorifying God? Is your ultimate aim to make God look good as He actually is? 
Is that the ultimate aim? Is Psalm 67 the cry of your heart for the glory of God? That your way might be known, God. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. Is that the cry of your heart? Is it the cry of your heart? Now let's look next at that next extension. You got that little phrase I gave you? Let's look at that next extension of that phrase, okay? A people with a passion for God to be glorified. Where? Among all peoples. Among all peoples. So so let's extend the question too. The question is, are you obsessed with God's glory? Are you obsessed with this, that my God might be glorified? And let me extend the question. Are you obsessed with the glory of God among all peoples of the earth? Are you obsessed with that? Notice in this psalm who he's talking to, okay? Or, or, or who, the, who is it that the psalmist desires? Who does the psalmist desire to see the saving power of God go to? Who? Verse 2, look at it. It says, on earth. And then it says what? All nations. On earth. And all nations in verse 2. How many nations are there? On earth. Oh God, be praising every single one of them, God. Verse 4 says, the nations. Let the, let the nations be glad. The nations. Who, who does He want the saving power of God to reach out to? The nations is who He's talking about right here. Now He's obviously not talking about just, just geopolitical like you see on your map. Those nations. Because right here in verse 3 and verse 5 it says, the peoples. Notice the plural. The peoples, not just people in general, but the peoples. And then it says, all the peoples. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples on this earth praise you, O God. Oftentimes today, this word peoples, we call it people groups. People groups. According to the uh, International Mission Board, there are almost about 12,000 people groups on this earth. 12,000 people. People groups. Let the peoples praise you, O God. How many? Let all the peoples praise you. All 12,000 of them is the picture here. All 12,000 peoples praise you. A people group by the IMB is uh, the International Mission Board is defined like this. The largest group through which the gospel can flow without encountering significant barriers of understanding and acceptance. In other words, it's kind of like the us day. It's like when you have this group of people and they say us, it's us and then everybody else is they. That sometimes determines what a people group is. It's us. We're people group. Okay? So I want you to think about this. 12,000 of these on earth. And the psalmist says, let all the peoples praise you. Let all the people groups on this earth praise you, oh God. And bless us to help us make that happen. That all the peoples might praise you. Do you think and feel this way? Do you think and feel like this psalmist? Do you ever ponder the 12,000 people groups that are on this earth? Do you ever wonder which people groups on this earth already know of God's saving power and which ones don't know of God's saving power? Do you ever wonder this sort of thing? And when you ponder this thing, When you think about this and you ponder these 12,000 people groups, does your heart then explode and say, God bless us. Bless us that your name might be known on the earth. Does that happen? I want you to notice further this. 
Okay? So this is, this is who he has in mind. The nations, the people groups of the earth. Now what does, this, what does the psalmist desire to see happen among these people groups? What does the psalmist desire to see happen? You see it right here in verse 2. The first thing we see is that he desires that the knowledge of God go to all these people groups. The knowledge, the knowledge of God. You see it right here in verse 2. That your way might be known on earth. I want your way to be known all over the earth, God. And then not only the knowledge of God, but He wants all peoples, all people groups, to receive the knowledge of His saving power. Of His salvation. You see it right here in verse 2. Your saving power among all nations. All people groups of the earth need salvation. All of them. Why? Because every single one of them, like us, have earned hell. All of us. So we need to know of the saving They need to know of the saving power of God on this earth. And then it says, not only the knowledge of God, and not only the knowledge of His saving power, but oh God, that, that all the people groups would praise You, worship You, exalt You in response to that knowledge. Look at it right here in verse, in verse 3. That the people's Praise you. He doesn't just want them to have the knowledge of the saving power, but that they would what? Verse 3. That they would praise Him. That the peoples praise you, O God. Let them praise you, O God. And then to take it a step further, not only that they would praise God, not only that they would praise God, but that they would worship God with joy. That they would worship God because they want to worship God. That they would praise God with gladness and sing songs of joy to Him. You see the difference? God doesn't just want the people praising Him only out of duty. Only out of duty just to, just to uh, satisfy the tyrant God who makes us praise Him. That's not what He's going after. All 12,000 people groups on this earth with joy in their souls over worshiping the God that created them. This is what He says here. Look at it in verse 4. Let the nations, what? Be glad. Let them be glad and sing for joy. Why? Why be glad? Why let the nations be glad and sing for joy? Why? Why? Because of God. This is not just a blanket happiness. This is happiness in God, joy in God. It says, let the nations, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For the judge of the people, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Essentially, he's saying, I want to see all nations erupt with joyful praise to God because our God reigns. And then you should say, wait a minute. Wait just a second. I, I thought you said, this is all about the glory of God. What does this have to do with the happiness of all the nations? Who cares if they're all joyful and glad and singing songs of joy? Who cares? It's not about them, right? It's about the glory of God. I thought you said it's about the glory of God. And this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful truth. If you remember, I said that verse 4 is like the, it's like the peak of that pyramid, right? It's like the peak of that mountain of this song. And so what we see in verse 4 is we're going to see the deepest place where God gets the glory. The deepest place in verse 4 where God gets the glory. So what is the deepest place where God gets the glory? It's when we find joy in Him. When we are glad in Him. When we are satisfied in Him. And He is ultimately glorified. Now this is clear from this Bible verse, right? But, but it just makes sense, period, also, right? Don't you see that makes sense? If I use the analogy of me taking flowers to my wife, 
Okay, and I take flowers to my wife, and, and how's she going to feel about that? Is she going to be glorified as I take these flowers to my wife? And if I take them and I only do it out of mere duty, no joy, I don't really care to do it, but it's, it's my role, right? I'm a husband. And if I take it and I hand her those flowers and she says, thank you, and I say, well, you know, it's, it's my duty, it's what I do. She glorified. But if I, say, if I tell the truth, and there's gladness in my soul, man. I want to get, and I hand those flowers to her, and she says, Thank you. And with, with truth in my heart, I say, I want to give you this. It's my joy. It is it's a glad thing that I can give you these flowers. You are worth it. Does that glorify her? And this is the picture that we're seeing right here, okay? This is the beautiful truth to grab hold of. That the goal that God be glorified and the goal that His people be joyful and glad do not have to be separated. Because the more joyful you are in Him, the more satisfied you are in God, the more He is praised, the more He's worshipped, the more He's glorified. It's a beautiful truth to grab hold of in Psalm 67, 4. So, summary. What does the psalmist desire to see happen among all peoples, among all 12,000 people groups on earth? What does he desire to see? That they would know God and specifically His saving power. That they would praise and worship this God in response. And that they would praise and worship Him, not just from mere duty, but because of joy and gladness in this God. The cry of this psalm is that this would happen among all the peoples, all the nations of the earth. Now, the rest of the Bible, this meshes very well with the rest of the Scripture, specifically what Jesus promised and what Jesus commanded. This meshes perfectly. Think about what Jesus promised, okay? He promised in Matthew 24, 14, listen, this gospel of the kingdom... That's Psalm 67 verse 1. The saving power of God. The salvation of God. This gospel of the kingdom. That Christ has come and died for your sins. So that you could be saved from hell. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. It will be, Jesus says. It's a promise. It will be preached in all the world. As a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Revelation 5.9 works like a promise, right? Because we're getting a glimpse into the future and what's definitely going to go down. And what we read in Revelation 5.9 is a group of people saying, You have redeemed us to God by Your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. It is going to happen. And Psalm 67 lines up with this perfectly. The Gospel is going to make it to all people groups. Every single one of them. And... The command. So that's the promise of Jesus. And Psalm 67 meshes with the command, right? In Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. So this is what we do. With the heart. With the heart. Think about the heart of Psalm 67. With the heart of Psalm 67. God, let all the peoples praise you. With the promise of Matthew 24, 14. It's going to happen. It's going to go down. A remnant of people praising Him from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And with that, we go out into this command, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. This is what we go do. And this brings us to the next extension of that phrase that I gave you, okay? The next extension of that phrase. Let's read it again. A people with a passion for God to be glorified among all peoples through themselves or through us, O God. 
This is not exclusive, not like only through us, but it's like, God through us, use us, oh God. Use us for this task. That's the picture. Is it okay for us to desire to be used by God? Was it okay for Isaiah to, to look, at, look at God and say, Here I am, send me. Send me. Is it okay for Isaiah to say that? When the church at Antioch was fasting and praying just before God raised them up to send out Paul and Barnabas to unreached people groups, just before that happened, they're fasting and they're praying. What do you think they're asking God? Don't you think it's something like, Oh, bless us, God. Bless us, God. Let your face shine that your way might be known in the earth. God, use us for your salvation. God, how are we going to obey your command and make disciples of all the nations and all the people groups of the earth? How can we do it, God? Use us for that, Lord. Don't you think that was their prayer in Acts 13? Is it okay to desire to be used by God? And I say, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the cry of the psalm, the psalm in the very first verse. He's, he's saying it. He's even, it's even as if He's asking it. May God do this. Be gracious to us. Bless us. Do that. God, make your face shine on us so that you're known in all the earth. Use us, O oh God. I want to kind of break this apart. The psalmist asked for three things here. Three things he asked for. Number one is this. It says, may God be gracious to us. And so, some versions say, God be merciful to us. May God be gracious to us. God be merciful to us. What He's asking for is this unmerited favor. We know we don't deserve it, oh God. We don't deserve it, Lord. All we deserve is Your wrath. But God, give us Your grace. Give us Your mercy instead. All that we've earned is hell. We know that. But God, give us undeserved attention. Give us Your favor, God. Even though we don't, it's not, it doesn't go to our credit. Or we, we don't. We didn't earn it. Gracious God. Be gracious. Be merciful is the picture. Number two, he says, and bless us. So the psalmist asked for God to bless them. Be gracious to a God, God. Be merciful to us. And God, bless us. Now when you read this, you've got to get out of the Western mindset, right? When you hear God bless us, you've got to get out of this very weird Western mindset. Where the blessing of God is all about wealth and material things that only last for just a short time on this earth. And you just say, oh God, give us just all this wealth and give us these material things. This is not the picture. In fact, sometimes the wealth of this earth turns from a blessing to a curse for you. Go read James 5 verse 1 through 3. It'll turn to a curse for you. In fact, Acts 3.26 helps us define some of this blessing here. Acts 3.26, listen. It's, it, this is, this is going to say that God blesses us by what? Turning us away. Saving us from our sins and turning us from our sins. Listen to it. Acts 3.26 To you first God, having raised up His servant Jesus, to you first God, having raised up His servant Jesus, sent Him, sent Jesus, to bless you. What do you mean? In turning every one of you away from your iniquities. For God to bless you Surely it can mean, it can mean material things, it can mean wealth, but you have to detach yourself from this TBN mindset, this so-called Christian, that I want a Rolls Royce, I want a Rolex, and I want relaxation, and I want to have everything, no suffering on this earth. This is not the picture. It's not the picture. The blessing that this man is calling down from God is a blessing that says what? 
Bless us, O God, that Your name might be exalted in all the earth. This is the blessing that He's talking about here. The cry of Psalm 67 is, God, give us grace for Your glory among all nations, and God, give us Your blessing for Your glory among all nations. This is the cry. Number three is this. Third thing He says. Make His face to shine upon us. Now that's amazing. Make His face to shine upon us. So give us, give us grace, God. Give us Your blessing. And make Your face to shine upon us. When you hear this word, face, in the Bible, you need to be thinking, at least here, the presence of God. This is the same word, face. The same Hebrew word used when Moses said, said God, if Your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. The presence of God. The face of God. So what is he, what's he saying right here? The psalmist is saying, Lord, we need Your presence. We don't just, not just Your grace and not just Your blessing, but we need You, O oh God. We need You to come, Lord. This is the cry. This is the cry of Isaiah 64, verse 1 and 2. Listen to it. Oh, that You would rend the heavens. That You would come down, God. That the mountains might shake at Your presence. God, that You might come. That the mountains might shake at Your presence as fire burns the brushwood. Come down, God, like fire on brushwood. Come, Lord. Come. Why? Why? To make Your name known to Your adversaries that the nations might tremble at Your presence. This is the picture. God, come, make your face shine upon us that the nations might tremble at your presence. This is, the, this is the cry of Psalm 90, verse 17. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is what happened to those forgotten missionaries in Acts chapter 11. Those missionaries to Antioch. Acts, Acts eleven twenty one. The hand of the Lord was with them. Why? Why? And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Do you want to have an all nations impact on this world? Do you desire to be used of God for His glory among all 12,000 people groups? Do you long for that? You need His grace. You need His blessing. You need His presence. You must cry out with desperation. God, rend the heavens and come down. I get so sick of hearing about these gimmicks and these plans, these strategies, these multiplication strategies and gimmicks to get the gospel to the nation. Where are the men and women that hit their face and they stay on their face until God comes down and uses them to bless the nations? Where are they at? No revival that has ever hit this planet has been because of man's devising or man's schemes. Or man's strategy. That has never happened. You go read the records of those revivals. Go read them. Here's what you don't see. Jonathan Ezra, how, how did the Great Awakening happen? We just had a great scheme. We had a great strategy, says Jonathan Edwards. That never happens. What do they say? How did revival come like that? What went down? What happened? They say, we don't know. We don't know. We got desperate and we cried out to the God of the universe. And it's as if He rent the heavens and came down and souls were saved and the nations were blessed. We need God. Where are the men and women who wrestle with God like Jacob and say, I will not let go until you bless me. Why? For your namesake among the nations. 
Where are the men and women like that? Where are the men and women who cry out to God, God, be merciful to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us that Your way might be known. Your saving power among all nations. Where are the people that cry, that cry out to God for that? Now imagine a group of people led by the choir master, right? And they're singing Psalm 67, 1 and 2. This group of people, you imagine, like Nehemiah 9, like a glimpse into heaven. And they're singing that song. Oh God, bless us so Your name will be known. God, do this among all nations. And they're singing it. Why can't that be Grace Community Church? Can it be? And how do you think God will respond? If we're that people crying out Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2, how do you think God will respond? And that brings us to the next extension of that phrase. Here it is again. A people with a passion for God to be glorified among all peoples through themselves with confidence that God will do it. Look at verse 6 and 7. Confidence that God will do it. Look at it. The earth has yielded its increase God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. At the beginning of the psalm, it says, "God be gracious. may God be gracious to us and bless us. And at the end of the psalm, it says, Our God shall bless us. You see the confidence. This psalm ends with an assurance that God is going to do what they're asking Him to do. This assurance is called faith. This assurance is called confidence in God. And I pray that we would be like that. That we would be a people of faith. That Grace Community Church would be a people confident in God to do what we've asked Him to do. Jesus said that He didn't do many mighty works among them because of their unbelief. May that never be said of us. But may we be a people of faith. Let us be a people who cry out to God in desperation. Bless us God for Your glory among the nations. And let us be a people filled with faith in God that He will do it. God, our God, shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. All the ends of the earth shall fear Him. This was the faith of those martyred missionaries to Ecuador when they sang that song. You remember it? We go in faith, our own great weakness feeling. And needing more each day Thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts a song of triumphs pealing. We rest on Thee and in Thy name we go. It's the faith of those martyrs to Ecuador. Now let's take this, a couple of split this up, a phrase by phrase here in verse 6. Verse 6 says, The earth has yielded its increase. This is the language of a farmer that sows his seed into the ground. Sows the seed into the ground. And what comes up? The increase. The earth has yielded its increase. The crops come up. And this is exactly what we do. We go into the world with the seed of God's Word. With the seed of the Gospel. And we have faith in God that He will cause it to spring up among all nations. Listen to Isaiah 61.11. For as the earth brings forth its bud, that's the earth's increase, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. That's the earth's increase, right? Listen to it. Just like that, says God, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This is the earth's real increase. It's not fruits and vegetables. The earth's real increase is what? 
He said, I just want to bless them and fill this earth with my image. The real increase of the earth, that our God would be praised all over this earth from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Listen, we can be confident that this will happen. Listen to the promise. Habakkuk 2.14 The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Listen to Habakkuk 3.3 His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. Listen to Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Our God will be exalted. In this we can be confident. So as we cry out to God to bless us for the sake of His glory among the nations, as we put our feet to that promise, and we obey the command, make disciples of all the nations, we can rest assured that our God will be praised in every nation, tribe, and tongue. We can be assured of that. And look at that next phrase right after it. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. There in verse 6 and 7. Our God shall bless us and all of the ends of the earth and all the ends of the earth fear Him. So according to the Scriptures, we can rest assured that there will be a redeemed people of God, a remnant from every nation, tribe, and tongue standing before His throne singing praises to His name. We can rest assured of that. But can we be confident that God would use us that God would use Grace Community Church. That God would use you. Can we be confident that God would use you for these things? And I say, yes, we can. Can we have the same confidence as the psalmist who is singing and this group of people singing, our God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear Him. Can we have that confidence? And I say, yes, we can. We can. After Jesus said, go make disciples, what did He say? And surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. I'll be with you, He says. I'll be with you, He says. Or what about His promises? Will you commit to entering into that prayer? The prayer of verse 1 and 2? And you begin to pray all the time. God bless us. Psalm 67 verse 1. Bless us, O God. Be gracious to us. So that your name's known in all the earth, your salvation among all the nations. Will you pray that prayer? And as you pray that prayer, do you have confidence in God that He will answer it? Listen, listen to John 14, 13. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I know it gets misused. I know it. I know people use verses like this to get their Cadillac. Okay, I know that. I realize that. But listen to me. Is that the case with this prayer? When we go to God and say, bless us and be gracious to us, that you're known among all nations, just like the Bible verse here. Is that not the will of God? Is that not a prayer in His name? And so He says here, whatever you ask in My name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 16, 24, He says, until now, you've asked nothing in My name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Is not this request according to the will of God. God bless us that you might be known in all the earth, among all nations. 
If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And listen, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked for of Him. So may we be a people with the, de- the desires of Psalm 67. What are those desires? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy because you reign. Let us be a people with those desires. Let us be a people that pray the desperate prayers of Psalm 67. God bless us for this task. Be gracious to us for this task. May we be a people who put our feet to these prayers and obey the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. And lastly, but not of least importance, let us be a people who are filled with faith in God that He will do it and He will answer our prayers. Our God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. Let us be a people full of faith in God. Now let me wrap up here just a few... Application. The application for us as a church, application for you as individuals. Let me just say a few things here, okay? So to Grace Community Church, all you here who are members of Grace Community Church, locked arms together. Here's the vision. Here's the vision. That we would be what? That main thrust of the phrase there, what is it? That we would be a people with a passion that God be glorified among all peoples through us, through Grace Community Church. That's what we're asking with confidence that He's going to do it. Okay, This is the vision. Think about it. We live in a world, according to IMB's count, of 12,000 people groups. You live in a world of 12,000 people groups on planet Earth. Do you know how many of those are unreached with the Gospel? We live in a world where 6,814 of those people groups are unreached. 12,000 people groups on earth, 6,814 people groups unreached according to the International Mission Board. Now what do I mean by unreached? Here's what I mean. Less than 2% of the people are evangelical Christian. Okay, That's what that means in that place. And what that means is in these unreached places, among these unreached people groups, doesn't necessarily just mean one country like India, okay? There's many people groups in there. But among these people groups, the people who were born there, it's normal for them to live their life, die, be buried in the grave, having never met a Christian, having never heard the Gospel. And 6,814 people groups on this earth. From another angle, I'll tell it to you like this. 7 billion people on planet earth. Do you know how many out of that 7 billion fit into those 6,814 people groups that are unreached? Almost 4 billion people, according to the IMB. Almost 4 billion people. Almost 4 billion people living in these conditions where for the most part, they normally live and they die and they never met one like you. And they never heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now what happens to a church? When a church knows the state of the world like that, that's a blessing from God that we even know the state of the world to some degree like that. Even if it's imperfect, we know something of it. What what happens to a church when you understand the state of the world and you have the Psalm 67 desires that all those peoples praise you, God, and you have this command from Jesus to make disciples of all the nations. What happens to a church like that? They begin to be obsessed 
with changing those statistics. They begin to be obsessed with taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to those places that do not have it for the glory of His name among all peoples. And they're obsessed with it and they want it to happen. They want to see the gospel preached in those places that don't have it. Because remember it said, you said your glory among all people groups, right? Let, let the nations praise you. Let them be glad and sing for joy. That's all the nations. That's all the peoples. And so you begin to think like there's some people groups that, that, that they know of the saving power of God. There's a remnant there. And there's people groups that don't. And you begin to desire that all of them do. And so you preach the gospel. You become a church that sends them out for the glory of Jesus among those nations. It's the only proper response. We as a church have to catch this vision. We've got to catch this vision. It's got to be something in our heart. Here's another... Let me, let me sharpen the vision here, okay? We exist then, okay? Part of the vision. Not just to make Christ known to as many people as possible, but to all people groups, okay? Think about the difference in what I just said. Let me sharpen the focus. Not just to make Christ known to all people, as many people as possible, but to all of the people groups on the earth. And what do I mean by that? Okay? Why do I say that? And I, I think if you take this, if you take the, just the scripture, I'm going to give you an analogy in just a second, but if I just take the scriptures, I've got, go therefore and make disciples of who? All people, all nations, all people groups. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Those desires mean there's got to be a lean in you that says not just, I mean, of course we want to get as many people in Christ Jesus saved as we can. We want to we get as many people saved as we can. Of course. But we need to have a view, a zeroed in focus of all nations, all people groups according to those verses, right? And so here's the, here's the picture. Here's the analogy. So now it's kind of a version of what was given by and let the nations be glad that John Piper wrote. Okay, just a little analogy. You're on an ocean. Okay? There's ten ships on this ocean, ten boats out on this ocean with people in all of them. And a massive storm comes, boom, and all those boats crash. All of them crash, burn. People are floating out in the waters, hanging on debris, swimming out there. They're trying to stay afloat. And this is going down with ten boats that just happen in a, in a certain distance. And here you are, and you come up, and you're the rescuer. You're on the rescue boat. And initially, what you would think logically, you would think, stay in one spot and get as many people as we can onto this rescue boat. Seems like that would be the picture. And yet, when we read these things, make disciples of all the nations. Let all the peoples praise you. The picture here is that we would go after getting a people and a remnant from every single boat. This is the picture. This is the picture we see in the Scripture. I think it's biblical. Scriptural. So here, here's, what, here's what I'm saying. Let me try to get us to be laser beam focused, okay? We want to go after this. Now, in the wisdom of God, as we go after that, there will be all... Is, is, we don't have a better idea than God. As we go after Your name among all nations, make disciples of all the nations, then all the people, as, how can as many people as possible be saved? God will do that. He will do that. We can trust Him. That He'll do that, okay? If we realize we got the desires of Psalm 67, the command of Matthew 28, and we realize that there are people groups that know of the saving power of God and there's people groups that don't, we will burn like a torch to get the Gospel to them. You see that? This is what I'm getting at. 
Now, it's a sad development that this gets missed so often in churches today. This gets missed. You go read the statistics about how much of mission work is aimed at these unreached peoples. And over 90% of, of Christian work going on is going, in, going on towards already reached peoples. A penny on the dollar as far as money and resources given. Is it given to unreached peoples? This laser beam focused? Make disciples of all the nations? Is it given there? No, it's just a penny on the dollar. Less than a penny on the dollar given towards unreached. It's given in other places. This is a fruit of this mission, the scope of our mission and what we're going after being missed. And I don't want us to miss it. I want us to be a people zeroed on, zeroed in on His name among all people groups, okay? Now, according to, if you take the Bible, Genesis 12, 3, Christ is coming to bless all the nations. Psalm 67, we're reading now. Matthew 24, 14, where it said, it's a promise that this gospel is going to be preached among all the nations. The command in Matthew. If you take all that, this is a biblical pursuit that we want to go after. Have you caught that vision? Have you caught that vision? Alright, so let me, let me do this. So Grace Community Church, I want to put some st statistics before you real quick that are encouraging and challenging at the same time. These are statistics. I want you to think about it. About the 50 largest unreached people groups on planet earth. Let's let that sink in. The 50. There's 6,814. Here's the 50 largest unreached people groups on planet earth. What do you think we could do? What do you think our church could do if we aim at 50 unreached people groups? What could we do? What could we do? Listen, here they are. 50 of these people groups and the normal pattern for these people live, die, never met a Christian, never heard of the gospel. And listen to me. Within these 50 people groups are 1.41 billion souls in 50 of them. What this means is one in five people on earth live in these 50 people groups. Every single one of those groups has over 10 million people in it. And none of them have an indigenous church that can evangelize the rest of those people. 22 of those groups are Muslim. 18 Hindu. 5 Buddhist. 3 practice ethnic religions. 1 is Sikh and 1 is non-religious. Do you think God can raise up Grace Community Church to go after 50 unreached people groups on this earth that take up a fifth of the world? May we be a people, as I've said, with a passion for God's glory among all peoples. Through us, O oh God, with a confidence that our God will do it. Everybody involved. Think about it. Everybody at Grace Community Church. Every member involved. Everybody with Psalm 67 desires. Do you have them? God, let the nations praise you. Do you have those desires? Everyone with great commission, obedience, consumed by make disciples, of all the nations. Some of us goers to the unreached. Some of us senders to the unreached. But all of us making sacrifices to see this mission fulfilled. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And I want you to be encouraged that God is doing this. Do you, have you stopped and thought about that for a minute? God is using us to do this. God is doing this among us. <clears throat> One of those 50 unreached people groups I just mentioned to you is North Korea. And God has given us a man there. And He's raising up more. 
21 of those people groups are in India. And God has given us a man there and is raising up more. Four of those people groups are in China. And God has given us a man that believes that God has called him to one of those unreached people groups there in China. You see this? God's doing a work. He's doing this. We have a whole group of people that are going through studies right now to, to prepare them to be missionaries in these unreached places. God has given Grace Community Church a whole slew of people. A whole slew of people that are gung-ho and burning in their britches to lay hands on these people and send them out. Feel that? God has given Grace Community Church a heart to be generous, to enable us to be able to send people out and support them in a manner worthy of God. He's doing that. He's doing a work among us. I've been in prayer meetings where men and women are weeping over lost souls. And specifically those lost souls in unreached places. God's doing a work. So, let's join together. Okay? Prayer, mission, expectation, and asking God to bring to fruition Psalm 67. May our God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. That Your way may be known in all the earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy because God reigns. Our God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall praise Him. Let's ask Him to do just that. Last little thing I'll say here. And now, I want to speak to you as individuals, okay? So, we're talking about Grace Community Church. And now, I'm talking you, to, to Tim, to Clay, to Rollins, Andrew. I'm talking to you, okay? So, hear me out, individuals. Have you disconnected, as you examine your own self, have you disconnected verse 1 from verse 2? Have you disconnected the blessings of God in your life from the purpose of God of being, making Himself known among all the earth? Have you disconnected those two things? I want you to think, personally, individuals here in this room, Josie, about the way that you've been blessed in Christ. You think about the blessings you have, the spiritual blessings in Christ. You were in great need of a rescue and Christ Jesus came as your rescuer. Blessed! You deserve nothing from God but hell. And Jesus drank your hell. You deserve eternal suffering. And Christ Jesus took your suffering at the cross. Blessed. Blessed. In Christ Jesus you have forgiveness of sins. You will never pay the penalty for your sins. Ever. In Christ Jesus you have the righteousness of Christ. You will one day stand before God wrapped in His robe of righteousness. Christ Jesus is your great high priest. He's interceding on your behalf and saving you right now as we speak. Blessed. Blessed in Christ. Death has no hold on you. Death is actually a gift to you to usher you into the presence of your Savior who you're going to see face to face in eternal life. Blessed. And the question is why? Why did He bless you? Why did He bless you so much? Why did He bless you? And, and before I even answer that, listen, not even just spiritual blessings, but the physical blessings have been poured out on you. Poured out on you. You were part of the wealthiest group of people to ever walk on planet Earth. In this country. 
Think of the resources you have available to you that most people on the planet couldn't dream of. Think of the freedom that you have to make plans about how you're going to get to one of these unreached peoples to take the gospel to them. The freedom you have. Think about the freedom you have to travel wherever you want to go. The people in other places of the earth couldn't even dream of. And we could go on and on and on. I pray that thinking about these blessings, spiritual and physical, would help you think about the multitude of blessings given to you in Christ Jesus, given to you by Him. And so the golden question is why? Why? Why did He give you this? Why has He done this for you? Why has He abundantly blessed you spiritually and abundantly blessed you physically? Why has He done this? Is it for you? Is it just so you can bask in your blessing? Are you the chief end of God's plan? Do all the rivers of God's blessing just end on you? Because you're so special. And I say that God has given you these things for His glory among the nations. God, be gracious to us and bless us and, and let Your face shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth and Your salvation among all the nations. What will you do with the blessings that God has poured out on you so abundantly? Do you have a Psalm 67 heart? you have a Psalm 67 heart? Let the nations praise you, O God. Are you obsessed with God's glory? God's glory in all the earth. Are you obsessed with God's glory in all the earth? Because if you are, He is worthy of your obsession. He's worthy of it. Let's pray. God, I pray this song, Lord, that You would be gracious to us. God, please bless us. God, give us Your presence. Make Your face shine upon us. And through that, God, I pray that You would make Your way known on this earth and Your salvation among all the nations. God, use us to reach the ends of the earth. And I pray, God, You would work Psalm 67 hearts all around this room. A people obsessed with Your glory among all nations. God, do it. Do it for Your namesake. And use weak people and weak churches, Lord, like us, so that You get all the praise. In Jesus' name, Amen.